This is a test of the emergency zombie alert system. If this was a real zombie alert, your brain would already have been eaten by a rampaging horde of the undead. This is only a test. This is only a test. Hello and welcome to another episode of The Uncover-Up. I'm one of your co-hosts, Lee Kunla, and I'm not in the bunker today with my other co-host, Nathan Radke. We're on Zoom. Yeah, I mean, I'm in the bunker. So You're in the bunker as always. You've been living there for like two weeks. Yeah, because I got sick. And then you got sick because you were jealous of sick. me being sick. That's right. You, you just had to try to outdo me with your sickness. Yeah, and I did. I did. I got so much sicker than you got. So we're talking today about the zombie apocalypse. Oh, okay. But I have to say, based on the on the way you look and sound, <laughs> I think the zombie apocalypse might already be upon us. I certainly feel that way. Yeah. I mean, I feel like a zombie. Yeah. So that's what we're going to be talking about today. We're going to be talking about, actually, we're going to get into a bunch of things. Zombies okay. are going to show up twice, unrelated. All right. All right. All right. And uh, we're going to talk a little bit about QAnon and the storm. Okay. Okay. It, it's, there's a lot going on in this one. This is another Sometimes. one of those episodes where I've told Lee nothing. Right. And, and I so. haven't prepared because I've been feeling extremely sorry for myself lying on my couch and not really doing much of anything. Have you been making that noise, that sick noise where you sort of go... Mm, yes. Yeah, that's a, that's a good noise. Although it sounds grosser when I do it right now. So to begin with, what is our what is our pathway in to the zombie apocalypse story that I want to tell? And the answer is young Nathan watching cartoons on a Saturday morning in the early 1980s. Okay. Our theme song, which just played, yep. has a sample from the 1980s emergency broadcast system message. Sure does. You, some of our listeners won't know this. When you were a kid in the 80s watching cartoons in Canada, probably the States, but I'm sure they had a different broadcasting message. But in Canada... It, your cartoons were occasionally interrupted or it would happen during a commercial break. And there would be this emergency broadcast public service announcement, which was essentially there for in, in case there was a nuclear attack. Yeah. And it was how the population was going to be warned of an imminent nuclear attack. But just to, you know, not scare you too much, they said, well, this is only a test. Yeah, although there was something chilling about the voice. This is only oh, yeah. a test. And well, there was also something chilling about the very fact that you had to have or that people had these emergency broadcasts. It just, you know, you're having a nice Sunday morning watching your cartoons, eating your cereal. I would have been watching Scooby Doo. You you would have been watching the Strumps. I actually also watched Scooby Doo. I liked Scooby Doo. Sure. Uh, it was always yes, old I man McGillicuddy. <laughs> and he would have gotten well, away with it if it hadn't been for those lousy kids and that stupid dog. Right? Exactly. And then you would be reminded of Cold War. Yeah. You know, you'd be reminded of imminent annihilation. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's exactly what would happen. I actually was hearing the American version because oh. the good cartoons weren't coming from Canada. That would have been like The Littlest Hobo and, and all those Canadian shows. So I wanted to watch my American shows. So I would watch the Buffalo station with my right. rabbit ear antenna. And so I would get the American emergency broadcast system message. And like you said, okay. it, it was a weekly reminder that our entire existence was hanging by a thread. Yep. 
and I remember the first time one came on and I asked my mom, what is this? Like, what is happening here? And she said, well, you know, when you accidentally watched the end of Dr. Strangelove a couple of weeks ago, <laughs> if that happens, this message will come on and it will tell us what to do. And I'll say, well, what, what should we do? And, and she sort of looked out the window and was quiet. And I was like, no, mom, what should we do? And she just sat and looked out the window at the horizon. I remember it very well. And then I also remember being a kid and going to grade two, grade three on the school bus and looking out at the city of Orangeville, Ontario, yep. and imagining a mushroom cloud emerging over The bustling over top. metropolis right. of Orangeville, Ontario. Because you know the Soviets are going to try and hit Orangeville. It's interesting because we almost certainly heard that test message many times in 1983. You would have, not me, because yeah. I didn't come to Canada until 86. Oh, that's true. So I would have heard it many times in 1983. <clears throat> and as we've talked about in a previous episode, 1983 is a year in which we almost all died several times in a nuclear apocalypse. Yeah, there was at least three times in just a couple of months in the late summer and early fall where a number of events happened. We have an episode on that Abel Archer exercise and all of that. Yeah. And it wasn't the only time. There were other times like that. And some of, so sometimes remarkable. those would have coincided with me watching Scooby-Doo, and then right. all of a sudden that alert noise happens, and the voice says, this is only a test. But what was really happening was, no, actually, we're really close to annihilation. Yeah. So here's what we're doing today with this episode. Okay. We're not just going to reminisce about Scooby-Doo. We're going to talk right. a little bit about the history and purpose of the emergency broadcast system, later the emergency alert system. We're going to look at some weird incidents that have occurred over the years. We're going to look at two recent conspiracy theories that spread widely on social media that both involved the emergency alert system in very okay. different and contradictory ways. All right. And we're going to probably make fun of the people of La Crosse, Wisconsin. Hey, isn't that where Shelley is? Oh, yeah. Isn't it, though? Isn't it? Okay. Isn't it just? Hi, Shelley. Hi, people of La Crosse, Wisconsin. We'll get to you. <laughs> so at the dawn of the Cold War, it became clear that time was of the essence. The front lines had moved from the battlefield to everywhere. Right. Every city, every town was now on the front line. At first, because of intercontinental bombers, which could just fly over your city and turn it into ash and radioactivity. And then with intercontinental ballistic missiles, it was even worse. Because with bombers... Those would show up at your front door in a matter of hours. With intercontinental ballistic missiles, we're, we're kind of getting into the realm of, you've got minutes now. Yeah. And apparently there is a, or was, a missile, and potentially still is, this was so distressing, a missile aimed at every major metropolitan center. So if your town has a university or some kind of, is some kind of seat of productive industry, factories, stuff like that, there is a missile aimed at your town. So yeah. this isn't even really an exaggeration. Nope. We, that was just the condition that we were in. And so when the war showed up in your front yard, it would show up in the form of a mushroom cloud and in the form of complete obliteration. Yeah. This was a brand new situation. How do you cope with this? And there's all sorts of different ways that you did it. Uh, we've talked before about things like the highway systems. The highway right. systems were designed in part to allow for the evacuation of huge city centers. We've also done an episode with Shelley on this about actually in the Diefen bunker, the Canadian bunker, in which we talked through some of the strategies for getting out of town and what you were going to do on your way out if the bomb came, which included the wonderful idea of sticking people in giant tubes on the side of the highway. I love that which idea. Which 
is one of those things where it just doesn't, you know, it, even a cursory little, you know, time thinking about it, you're like, this does not work. This is not going to work. And that speaks to the problem that we're facing with nuclear war, which is these, there is no defense here. Yeah, when, when you're no confronted, you with, we're confronted with an absurd problem, some of the solutions are going to be pretty absurd. Yeah. And the absurd problem solutions here is... Solutions in quotes here. Yeah, yeah, the complete annihilation of massive metropolitan areas. So they also built bomb shelters. When it became mm -hmm. clear that evacuation would be too time-consuming, the tubes wouldn't work, so they thought, okay, we can't get people out of the cities. Also, they didn't want people out of the cities because that's where the factories were, and they were hoping that in the, amongst the rubble, people could still work in their factories. So then they switched to bomb shelters. But either way, the people, we the people, are going to need to know what to do ASAP. Mm-hmm. Once that war starts, we need to know and we need to be told what to do. And so in 1963, they set up the Emergency Action Notification System, which becomes the Emergency Broadcast System in 1976, and then eventually the Emergency Alert System in 97. But the idea was the same for all of these. A centrally controlled system in which the President of the United States could override regularly scheduled programming in order to notify the population that the warheads were on their way. Okay. And occasionally it would also be used for non-nuclear war things, more local things like weather events, tornadoes, and things like that. How much time does it take an intercontinental missile to get from, say, the Soviet Union to the United States? Like from launch or from when it's detected? But then, yeah, once it's detected, you've got, what, eight minutes or something? Like well, 20 certainly minutes? Not, not long enough to really do much of anything. And so people did so, raise this question, like, what is even the point of this system it's kind of like so many of the Cold War preparation devices, like the ducking and covering or the, the backyard bomb shelters. Would any of these actually work in the face of nuclear annihilation? Does anything work in the face of nuclear annihilation? And the answer is no, not really. But we want to have something. It was designed as a method of mass and instant communication, interrupting and overriding all regularly scheduled programming to provide information in times of war or other crises. And in case of nuclear attack, you could provide information about shelters and evacuations and stuff. And then finally in 2012, the wireless emergency alert system was launched, which also sent emergency messages to cell phones, because let's face it, who watches TV anymore? The kids are watching Scooby-Doo on their phones. Those I get all the time. Yeah. Well, we got one a couple years ago about a nuclear leak in the, the nuclear plant near us. Remember that morning? Yeah. It was a good morning. I remember that warning. So that's the basics of this system. And now we're going to talk about some of the weirdness. Okay. I'm going to start with a 2013 zombie scare. Now, this isn't okay. actually the main zombie scare of the episode that I want to talk about. This is just a sort of a little side zombie aperitif. A primer. An amuse-bouche. All right. S'il vous plaît. On February 11th, 2013, stations in Montana, Michigan, Wisconsin, and New Mexico were showing their normal programming. And I've seen footage of this. I've seen recordings of this. In Montana, they were playing an infomercial for a pancake maker. <laughs> and it makes perfect pancakes every time. And Make four this at is once. why nobody watches TV anymore. Right Omelets there. too. Easy cleanup. Right there. And in the middle of the ad, those klaxons go off and a voice comes over the airwaves. Civil authorities in your area have reported that the bodies of the dead are rising from their graves and attacking the living. No. Follow the messages on screen that will be updated as information becomes available. Do not attempt to approach or apprehend these bodies, as they are considered extremely dangerous. 
I repeat, civil authorities in your area have reported that the bodies of the dead are rising from their graves and attacking the living. Follow the messages on screen that will be updated as information becomes available. Do not attempt to approach or apprehend these bodies, as they are considered extremely dangerous. This warning applies to all areas receiving this broadcast. Tune into 9.20 a.m. to get updated information in the event that you are separated from your television or that the electrical service is interrupted. Civil authorities in your area have reported that the bodies of the dead are rising from their graves and attacking the living. Follow the messages on screen that will be updated as information becomes available. This station will now cease transmission, so please use your battery-powered radio. Tune in to 9.20 a.m. for further information. Okay. And the whole time That's... this is playing, in the background, it's just a person raving about this amazing pancake maker. That is brilliant. Yeah, now, it's an amazing probably, bit of footage. Probably there's some tragedy associated with this, like somebody got a shotgun and went out and killed somebody. I wasn't but... able to find anything like that. Ah, you know, all fun things are ruined by, you know, people like taking it too far. Yeah. But I just love this. So was this a hack? This was a hack. And then later in the day, the same message interrupted daytime showings of The Bachelor and Barney in France. Though that is kind of distressing that the emergency broadcast system can be hacked. It can be hacked very, very easily at this point. Let's imagine that the person didn't have a sense of humor or didn't have a good sense of humor and actually went with, you know, the nuclear bombs are coming or something, something, I could imagine this really unravel. It doesn't take much imagination to see how this event could have gone very differently if the content of the message had been altered to something less ridiculous. If it was something I mean, like nuclear weapons are on their way, yeah, people or, are going to believe that. Or even terrorist bomb attacks or, yep. you know, something that is actually within the realm of people's worries, at least. Yeah. I mean, because I this think... was zombie related, it didn't cause much of a panic. A one affiliate reported receiving four calls asking if it was true. Right. I mean, that's that's not much. There was a headline in the La Crosse Tribune the next day. TV zombie attack warning a false alarm, which is just one yeah. of those all time great <laughs> headlines. But the people of Lacrosse, I mean, we know some people from Lacrosse. These are we not indeed. bumpkins and hayseeds that just fell off the back of a turnip truck. These are sophisticates. Although cynical social media companies today would want to generate a panic, right? Because that's like how effective, how engaging your platform is. Oh, we'll come back to that when we get into uh, some social media panics. You mentioned that it was disturbing that it would be so easy to hack into this system. Yeah. And there had been a lot of concerns raised about how easy it would be to do this. There was no encryption. Like, stations tended to use the default passwords that had come with the system. And those <laughs> and, and those those manuals were all available in online versions. There was no authentication. A person with a recording of the EAS tones that triggered the system could infiltrate that system. You know, those tones, those beep. Yeah. And that's what happened. Like, this is this is like hacker movies from the late 80s. Yeah. Where you would record tones and play them over the telephone. And exactly. then you would gain access to, like, government institutions or banks or whatever. In fact, to, I, to show you how easy this was, it happened accidentally the next day. Because there was a news team from La Crosse, Wisconsin, which accidentally triggered the alarm again. Because they played the hoax message over the air, including what's called the specific area message encoding alert tones. 
Okay. So when they played the recording of the tones over the air, it set off the emergency alert system, which then started replaying the message over the broadcast signal. Civil authorities in your area have reported that the bodies of the dead are rising from their graves and attacking the living. Follow the messages on screen that will be updated as information becomes available. Do not attempt to approach or apprehend these bodies. It's been a worry that I've been thinking about how everything has shifted online, but things are not security proof. In Toronto right now, there is a uh, malware attack on the public library system. Now, the public library system in Toronto did what every other institution has done probably in most of the world, which is over the last 20 years, has shifted everything online because that's how people want to engage with it. But it's also... Because nobody wants to of, use a card catalog anymore, except There's for me. that, but then there's also all the background stuff and how to pay your employees. All of that is now you kind of have to be online. But all of us who do these, you know, who are tasked with shifting this information over to this new platform, we don't know stuff. I mean, obviously you have some techies sometimes in the background, but I don't know how to proof my own system against malware attacks or whatever. And so our library has been down now for months and it's a ransomware attack where what the, Hackers are tr are trying to extort the library in order to get money. Essentially, mm -hmm. the the library is supposed to transfer a bunch of money so that all of their employees' financial information from their like security, their their SIM card, and all of this kind of stuff doesn't end up on the dark web. Which you know, even if you pay the ransom, probably will. So it seems like there's a lot of systems in our society that are, have become vulnerable in a way that just wasn't possible even in the early days of the internet, you know, like yeah. because I mean, our electrical so grid, online. there's a lot of things that are quite vulnerable. Yeah. And that's when somebody's trying to do this on purpose. That's when somebody's deliberately hacking into the system. Of course, another issue with systems or, like this. Or accidentally, as you said. Right? Yeah, or accidentally. The other issue that can come with systems like this are bureaucratic mistakes. And so that brings yeah, us to course. the 2018, you probably remember this, a 2018 false alarm that happened in Hawaii. January 13th, 2018, Hawaii experienced a much more frightening false alarm. And this, this one was caused by... attack one? Yeah, exactly. It was bureaucratic incompetence rather than a deliberate hoax. It was the middle of a shift change. Okay. So already you know this is going to be trouble. Right. Isn't this when Chernobyl goes down? Wasn't that... Yeah, a shift like, change, exactly. Was, shift changes shift are change. dangerous times. shift change. And despite the fact that shift changes are dangerous times, there was a supervisor at the emergency alert system headquarters who thought, you know what? This shift change is the perfect time to run an unscheduled drill. Uh-huh. Again, this is exactly what went down at Chernobyl. Yep. Like... <laughs> and so he started the drill by saying, exercise, 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 which okay. you're supposed to do so people know it's an exercise. But Except the people who heard that were leaving. Yeah, right? because it was a shift change. And he also <laughs> pretended to be a U.S. Pacific Command official, which is okay. part of the part of the drill. But he also said this is not a drill, uh -oh. which is not a part of the drill. And so one of the workers who was there, who was shifting over, had over the previous decade built up a bit of a reputation for mistaking drills for real life. Uh-huh. So then that that's worker... That's why you have that message. This is only a drill. Yeah. 
So then that worker sent out the official warning. Ballistic missile threat inbound to Hawaii. Seek immediate shelter. This is not a drill. Oh, dear. Oh, dear is right. And so this wasn't corrected for 38 minutes. That's a lot of minutes. That's a lot of minutes Mm. to spend thinking that you are about to get turned into plasma. That's enough time to be on the highway and freak out a bit because you got to get home to see your family and start driving very erratically. Yeah. And, and everybody's hearing it, and everybody's driving erratically. 38 minutes is long enough to get into some real trouble in this situation. Well, let's think a bit about what could happen. There's some mild things. You contact your secret crush to share your feelings. Right. The, I've always loved you. Yes. We're about to die. I've always loved you. And then yes. you don't die, and you're like, oh, ooh, how do I walk Ooh, that back? It's going to be awkward to explain this to my wife. Yeah, yeah. Oh, dear. <laughs> well, that's the other thing, right? You might confess an extramarital affair. It's like, right. honey, I've been sleeping with so-and-so this whole time. Yeah. You could go on a crime spree. You could run down the street naked and screaming. Are we still in the relatively harmless phase of things? Or have yeah. you shifted now to the more harmful? Well, I think we're getting more and more harmful, but we... Okay, okay. But we can... Just, you can just, Things could just, be even worse than I that. Want, I want our audience to get to know Nathan, you know? These are all minor things. But something much worse could happen, of course. Because somebody might think, these missiles are on their way. I don't want to live through that experience. Right. I'm going well, to get was, out early. I, exactly. I was thinking about somebody who's already struggling with potentially suicidal ideation or, you know, extremely depressed, you know, this might be that catalyst where you're like, okay, well, it's coming anyway, so I'm going to do something drastic now. Yeah. Which is a really frightening idea. A very frightening idea. Like, this was a really serious situation. Or again, like, they're driving erratically on the highway. I mean, highways are dangerous places at the best of times, and now I'm 20 minutes or half an hour away from my loved ones, my kids. Or your mistress. (laughs) And they're on opposite ends of town and you got to make a choice. And so now I feel I need to get somewhere really quickly and all those other people be damned. Yeah. Because who cares? Like there's a missile coming. Yeah. No, this, this, this is, this is a bad situation. This is a dangerous situation. And so did that happen? I mean, there was some of that. I mean, there wasn't anything like massive that happened, but understandably, people were quite afraid. And if somebody has a bad heart, if somebody has issues with anxiety, like there are also medical things that could happen. I want to know the divorce rates that like kind of spike that goes, you know, that happened like a couple of months after this false alarm. Yeah, there was some chilly morning breakfasts the next day (laughs) as people looked at each other over their coffees. And part of the delay was the fact that authorities didn't know how to correct the error. Oh. Like, this is just a, a story of bureaucratic bungling. Right. But this is just the background. We haven't actually gotten to the conspiracies that I want to talk about. And now oh. we have. Okay. Because I'm going to tell a tale of two Octobers, two very different Octobers. All right. Coincidentally, they both happened in October. This is a, the first case study, what I'm going to call Red October 2018. Okay. So I'll give you some historical context. Donald Trump was two years into his presidency of the United States. The Robert Mueller, how did Mueller? Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, the it's the, German, the, right? The American media called it called him Mueller. Yeah, but it should the have Germans been. Germans would have called him Mueller, but nobody yeah, ever nobody uses did the umlaut. That. Not even Mueller himself. So let's call yeah. him Mueller. All right. Uh, so Robert the Mueller, Mueller, the Mueller pro, right? Yeah. If you were going to say, 
Yeah, it was into the possible obstruction of justice. That was one year in. So it was during this time period where the Q belief system emerges from the shadowy mists of 4chan and Q is spreading his prophecies and his secret knowledge. Right. It was so an this exciting is time for conspiracy theorists. Yeah, this is the, the, the birth of QAnon. So the way this would work was, I'm sure most of the listeners are familiar now with Q and QAnon, but a guy who went by Q was claiming that he had this top secret information about the secret workings of the American government and about this... Because he had Q clearance. Exactly, because he had Q level clearance. And then the population that was listening to him, they became known as the Anons, and they would kind of comb through his messages looking for clues and trying to figure it out. And in the early the days... The Anons, that's, that's for Anonymous, right? Yeah, exactly. And in the early days, most of the predictions made by Q were straightforward about various politicians or celebrities that were about to be arrested. But then none of them came true, and so the Q messages became more vague and cryptic. Because you can only make so many overt predictions that don't come true before people stop listening to you. And so what whoever Q was, and there's been a lot of theories, and he was probably more than one person, they changed the, the, the style of their messages so that they become deliberately hard to understand. Mm-hmm. And so then what happens is the Anons, they get more activated because now they're playing a more active role in the interpretation of these messages. And so they start looking for what they called crumbs. They're okay. looking for crumbs in these messages and that they were bakers who were going to bake those crumbs into bread. What I find most offensive in this is the mixing of metaphors because you had Q drops. Yeah. That's what the, the messages were. And then what? You're supposed to find crumbs inside the drops, which you yep. then bake? Yeah, into no, bread. This is No, 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 no. Yeah, but other no, than the poor metaphor, there's no issues with any of this. terrible metaphor. That's how you know you're dealing with a crap conspiracy. Okay. No. And the other thing that happened was, now that the responsibility for the interpretation has been released out into the world, the claims start to become wilder and stranger. And that's mm. where we start to get things like, oh, JFK Jr. had faked his death and all of that other things. Like, a lot of that was not in the Q-Drops. And he's coming back and he's going to be president. And... Exactly. That wasn't in the original Q-Drops. That was stuff that the Anons then baked with the crumbs in the drops. So this movement like a lot of these sort of large conspiracy theories that are, that are totalist, that try to explain all things, it was both Manichaean and Millenarian. Mm. Manichaean, because it was saying there is a battle between good and evil, and mm. Millenarian, because how do the you... End times. Yeah, exactly. How do you deal with an epic battle between good and evil? At some point, there's going to be this sudden moment in which everything changes, evil is vanquished, and good triumphs forever. There's a resolution. Yeah, Exactly. Since that resolution is inevitable and foretold, you can look for signs and omens that this event is coming. And we see examples mm-hmm. in this in modern versions of something like the rapture. Mm-hmm. That, and there are people who comb over news agencies and, and, and look for some sign that, you know, this is from the book of Revelation, or this is from the book of Daniel, or this is from the book of Ezekiel. And I'm constantly getting texts on my phone with people telling me, oh, look, you know, this has happening, and this is happening, and this is happening. It's rapture time. And you'll always be able to find that. I mean, yep. our brains are really good at making connections between disparate things and generating patterns that seem meaningful. Especially when we're motivated, we're motivated reasoners. Yeah. When you when, want, and, like, and the people that I talk afraid, to, they, they desperately want the rapture. Or in this case, the Q version of this millenarian moment, the storm. 
And again, I've gotten a lot of text over the years, people saying, this is it, the storm is, is here, the storm has arrived. The idea of the storm emerges first from a photo op at the White House with Trump and many other high-ranking members of the military. He was standing there with these military leaders and posing for pics. Uh, I remember this. And, remember, yeah. and then he, he looks at the reporters and says, hey, maybe this is the calm before the storm. Yeah. And the yeah. reporter said, what? What are you talking yeah. about? Yeah. And Trump said, you'll find out. Yeah. And yeah. the reporter said, no, really, what? And he said, you'll see. Well, because, of course, QAnon runs with this in their own way. And I'm, I'm really trying to piece together what happened, what is it now, five years ago. But this was around the time that there were quite a lot of global tensions. I think there was something going on in Syria. Was that Iran. Where the, Iran was, was the big Iran? one at the moment. And so it was like, Wait, are we talking about are we about to go to war, war with Iran? Like yeah. it wasn't it was the mainstream media was and and people watching this were quite worried. Is this the calm before the storm? Well, that's certainly what the mainstream analysts thought that this was a reference to a war with probably Iran. Yeah. Which was an alarming thought. But for the QAnon community, this became like a fundamental aspect of their canon. Because right. this, the storm was going to be this millenarian movement in which evil would be vanquished forever. And right. the Bakers, the, the Anon Bakers, claimed that Mueller was secretly working with Trump, not against him, in order to round up all of the Satanist child abusing cannibals who were running the deep state, and that the Mueller investigation was just a cover story to allow Trump and Mueller to secretly work together to bring down the Satanists. But when would the storm begin? There needed to be some kind of signal some kind of epic signal, like the angels blowing horns in the book of Revelation. Mm. And then in October 2018, there was a test of FEMA's presidential level emergency alert system, and everyone uh -oh. was going to get a notification on their phone with a short message. Okay, well, do we need to elaborate the role of FEMA in this belief system? FEMA stands for the Federal Emergency Management Agency. Agency? And it's the it's the outfit that comes if there's, let's say, a hurricane yep. that decimates your town. And then they come in, they get special powers to be able to kind of get the ideas, get society back on track. But already in the 90s, a theory emerges that FEMA is actually a way that the deep state, not a term used in the 90s, but nonetheless, the idea tracks that the deep state is going to use FEMA special emergency powers to institute a kind of dictatorial government. As you said, FEMA for years has been held up as one of the boogeymen. Yeah. And so you would think, okay, you've got a bunch of people who are paranoid about the deep state, and here is a presidential level emergency alert system test that FEMA is in charge of. Mm. But here's something that's frustrating with these belief systems is that they don't tend to be consistent. But who, it's such a low-hanging fruit. And, like, and who's good on. guys and who's bad guys, it, it kind of changes according to what the, what the idea needs. And so instead of looking at this as a terrifying thing that FEMA was doing, the Anon community was very excited about it because this was a big thing that Trump was doing. Trump was in charge of oh. FEMA at this point, so FEMA's fine. Okay. And people had been notified of this upcoming test for a few weeks. So, you know, just let people know, hey, heads up. There's going to be an alert in your phone. Don't freak out. And the Anons were super excited. And I've got some quotes that were going around on the message boards. Things like, This is how we'll receive orders if all else fails. We're the next generation Minutemen. Standing by, sir. So happy. Thank you, 45. 
he was the 45th president. And so the Anons decided that the predicted text was going to be, My fellow Americans, the storm is upon us. And it would unleash Red October, which was kind of a poorly defined moment that would be part of this initial storm. And so then the test happens. The actual text was, Presidential alert. This is a test of the National Wireless Emergency Alert System. No action is needed. Okay. There you go. So now what? They made a prediction. It was completely untrue. So when we talked about cults, or when Festinger is infiltrating the cult, or when we talked about Heaven's Gate, now we had we came across a bunch of failed predictions. And what tends to happen is, okay, you lose a couple of members, but the rest double down. So that's what I was going to see if I could predict, not knowing how the story unfolded, was... Now that, because clearly their prediction has not come true in the way that it was predicted. So if the kinds of theories that we've been working with to try and explain these events hold any water, I'm suggesting what's going to happen now is those who don't leave at this moment are going to double down and say no, in fact, and and somehow incorporate this into a larger theory, like the... The you know the evil people within the deep state have somehow gotten hold of this, and so we need to stand by in order to really you know engage in the storm, which is coming any moment now. That's not bad. I mean, and you're you're correct. That is what tends to happen when prophecy fails. Is that right. people who are only they kind of mildly the they're mildly invested, they bail mm-hmm. out. The people who have a lot of sunk costs, they're heavily invested in it. They yeah. they desperately try to find ways to try to hold on to the prophecy. And in the so case of this one, well, no action is needed, they said. Uh-huh. Well, that was read as a reference to the Anon idea that since the storm was this inevitable force, all people had to do was, quote, enjoy the show, end quote, or, quote, okay. pass the popcorn, end quote. Uh-huh. That's one of the things that made this initial Q movement so interesting, is that no action was ever supposed to be needed because it was all taken care of. Right. It was kind of a wish fulfillment idea. This wasn't a thing that we had to go out and do ourselves. This was a thing, don't worry, Trump is in charge. He's dealing with everything. And so that no action is needed, they read that as, see, look, Trump is in charge. We don't have to do anything. We're fine. Okay. But also, there's something very suspicious about that message, and, and that is this. There are precisely 17 words in it. Ah, what is the 17th letter of the alphabet? I don't know. A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J, K, L, M, N, O, P, Q. Dun, dun, dun. So there you go. This was obviously the moment. There was only one problem with all of this hypothesizing, of course, and that is... This, this the... is it. Like, you can find a pattern anywhere you look. Yeah, especially if you're a motivated reasoner. Especially if, if you really wanted to If it had really been 14 be words, it would have been even scarier. Yeah. But the problem was, one of the many problems, the storm didn't happen. This did not launch the storm. Nothing occurred. Hmm. And what was Trump actually talking about? Or so sheeple like us think, because we don't have access to what's really going on. Well, I mean, and I have talked to people that said, no, Biden was arrested and replaced with a clone and this and that and this. And it's like, when you're scrambling that hard to keep your hypothesis alive, Hmm. it's time to let that hypothesis go. Like when you have yeah, to introduce is... clones and robots and all of the, the hoops that you had to jump through, these aren't even hoops anymore. These are like Mobius strips that you're jumping through. 
Well, these are this is where you need that concept of looking also for disconfirming evidence, where you don't just want to look for evidence. You also want to look for things that challenge your theory. Yeah, but we don't but, tend to do that. We tend to have confirmation bias. Yeah. So what was Trump actually talking about when he said the storm, the come before the storm? Probably nothing. I mean, nothing happened. Right. So there's one of the conspiracy theories that took place in October about this emergency alert system. And mm. I'm going to tell you another one. October 2023. So That just it, happened. That just happened. Now, back in 2018, Trump was in charge of the executive branch of the American government. By 2023, the robot clone of Joe Biden was. Right. And many, many years have been spent convincing people that Joe Biden was, rather than just a doddering old lifetime politician, the avatar for all things evil. Mm-hmm. And this caused some now, confusion. when Nathan says evil, evil, it's capitalized. It is, and it 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 it, it means a kind of Manichaean, the the bad side on the Manichaean dualism, a demonic evil, an evil like, for like evil's sake, Satan figure, exactly, right? yeah, like cartoonish, like yeah. tenting your fingers and laughing. I was maniacally. thinking exactly like the Decepticons in Transformers, where they're just evil because they're evil by yeah. nature. Why are they like, doing this? Because they're evil. That's what they want to do. Yeah. So that's evil. There was some confusion in the Anon community, some cognitive dissonance when the storm didn't take place and Biden was made president and all these other things. But in mid-2023, FEMA announced that they would be running a test of the emergency alert system and the wireless emergency alerts on October 4th. The wireless alert would read, This is a test of the National Wireless Emergency Alert System. No action is required. Okay. And the conspiracy just runs with this announcement. And several versions of a conspiracy theory started to circulate in social media. But they all had something in common. And that was this. In 2018, when Trump was in charge, this, this alert was going to be the angel's horn signifying the start of the storm. But yes. now Biden's in charge. So FEMA's evil. This is going uh-huh. to be devastating and terrible. Uh-huh. And what's it going to do? It's going to activate something in the bodies of people who have received... The vaccine. Exactly. Now, what it was Nailed was it. not entirely clear. It could be an RFID chip that had been put uh-huh. in you, the vaccine. Maybe you were uh, infected with the Marburg virus when you had been vaccinated. Maybe the signal itself was harmful. Regardless of what the specific mechanism was that was going to cause it, the end result was going to be that everybody who had gotten a vaccine for COVID was going to be instantly turned into a zombie. But the important thing was there was a threat, there was a danger, and there was a solution. You Mm -hmm. needed to turn off your phone and put it in a Faraday cage to prevent the signal from reaching it. Ideally, the best way to do this is to wrap it up in... Tinfoil. Exactly, and put it in your microwave. We've had many, many episodes. Tinfoil comes up a lot. I want to talk about tinfoil for a second. All right. I think tinfoil is interesting. It shows up as shorthand for ridiculous belief systems. The the tinfoil hat. More and more recently, I've noticed on a bunch of totally not conspiracy-related podcasts that I listen to, the tinfoil hat, I'm going to put on my tinfoil hat, I'm going to go tinfoil hat for a moment, is shorthand for any time somebody wants to engage in a probably dubious or unsupported speculation. speculation. And 
I don't know how helpful that kind of way of talking about conspiracies is. This takes us away from your main point, Nathan, but it really, it makes that fundamental error that conspiracies are always illusory and wrong interpretations of the world. Yeah. And also that you can mock people into changing their minds. Exactly. Yeah. And none of that is true. So I I agree. The the tinfoil, it it has become short form as a way of kind of mocking people who believe in conspiracies. Yeah. But also, I think you've noticed over the last couple of years, tinfoil often shows up in actual conspiracy belief systems. Paul Benowitz was interviewing a woman who had claimed to see cattle mutilation. Side note, she might have actually just been an Air Force intelligence plant. And he interviewed her in a room lined with tinfoil to protect them from alien rays. The tinfoil hat itself is not totally unknown within the conspiratorial world. Yeah, there were New Zealand protesters uh, experiencing what they claimed was high-tech government-directed energy beam or radiation weapons, but was more Mm. likely mass psychogenic illness. And Mm -hmm. they wore tinfoil hats to protect themselves from it. Mm -hmm. But here's the thing. Here's what I figured out. Tinfoil sort of acts like a metaphor for itself. Hmm. People are confronted. A meta-metaphor. Yeah, it's a meta-metaphor. People are confronted with what they believe are technologies and weapons that are far beyond their understanding or access or pay grade. Things like government surveillance and alien tech and intelligence psyops. And these are frightening things. And... The individuals have limited tools with which to fight back. And so the tinfoil kind of represents the drive to resist and fight back against these big threats, Mm. but also kind of captures the futility in trying to do so. And here's the move I'm going to make now. I think conspiracy theories, false conspiracy theories, are kind of tinfoil hats. Mm. People are confronted with historic and structural inequalities, and they've got limited tools that they can use to understand or fight back against these inequalities. And so... A conspiracy theory, like a tinfoil hat, they're easily accessible, and they provide the sensation that you're doing something to protect yourself. Yeah, that's an interesting idea that I have, in other contexts, thought about as a kind of bottom-up social theory, that conspiracies address real problems in the world, but do so outside of any kind of structured academic discourse that puts constraints on how you get to think and talk about the problem. And so while often the issues are very real, as you say, structural inequalities, our inability to address serious issues, be they climate change or poverty or government overreach, government overreach, whatever, all those kinds of things that people are upset and frustrated by. And yet the theory then that emerges out of that is often quite reductive, often has scapegoats, Flimsy. has simplistic storylines, has kind of cartoonish villains, which are narratively very satisfying as opposed to the more rigorous but also very deeply unsatisfying academic theory, which locates problems in systems and human relationships and big institutions organizing with each other, uh, you know, already just describing it as boring. Yeah. And so I think that's a that's an important point about why also in times of political unrest and social, as the social problems get worse, conspiracies are a barometer for the health of a society, because as things are getting worse, people 
are grabbing for explanations because they need them. Yeah, and if it, even if that explanation is as flimsy as tinfoil. Mm. See, it's all metaphors. It's metaphors all the way down. And of course, this, this particular conspiracy theory about you know, how some awful thing was going to happen that was going to turn us all into zombies, that showed up in a very specific historical time. There had already been cell phone-related conspiracy fears with 5G, and as you've pointed out before, also with 4G and 3G. Yep. Like every time we get a new G, we get new we get conspiracy a, theories We about get it. a new iteration of the same conspiracy. Yeah. And to the point where towers had been attacked after rumors spread that 5G caused COVID. And then we had the vaccine program, which inspired widespread hypothesizing about secret government population control programs and things like that. But there was a problem with those conspiracy theories. Statistically, there wasn't a mass die-off after we had the mass vaccination program. I mean, mm. deaths did spike after COVID-19 spread, but that was before the implementation of the vaccine. And it's amazing how often my contacts have predicted my death. Because... <laughs> The first time I got the vaccine... And, and eventually they will be right. Exactly. They, I mean, I will 100% die. They will be correct. But the problem is they're not, they're not saying, hey, you're going to die someday. And I would say, agreed. They say, you will die in 11 months. Yep. And again, if you cherry pick the data enough, you can generate basically anything you want out of it. Yeah. There was a quote unquote documentary in 2022 called Died Suddenly that compiled a large list of people that had died suddenly as evidence that the vaccines were killing people. You're going to be surprised. It wasn't very accurate. Uh -huh. You might even say it was inaccurate. Mm. Some of the examples occurred before vaccination was rolled out. Some mm. of the people were killed in car crashes or by suicide. Some of the mm. people weren't dead. So either the film producers did shoddy research, which is unacceptable and could have actually gotten people killed, spreading misinformation, or they knew the information they were presenting was inaccurate and they didn't care. It was right. disinformation, in which case the blood is even more directly on their hands. Mm. There was a lot of discussion about this unexplained spike in cancer. The, the vaccines must have been causing all these cancer deaths, because you're always going to find yeah. a lot of cancer deaths. Yeah. And there was a statistical increase in late-stage cancers during the pandemic, but that was likely due to the collapse of our medical systems during the pandemic. Right. And the fact that People are staying at home and yep, maybe going aren't to going the to the office. doctor yep. as often or are worried about going to the doctor's office. Yeah. yeah. Again, very kind of structural, boring explanations for things that are emotionally very unsatisfying. There was another problem, too, because people were saying, look, there's this massive spike in cancers right after the vaccination. And doctors pointed out, right, but cancer takes like, even after something like Hiroshima, cancer mm. takes two years to show up. Mm -hmm. It doesn't show or up the longer, next day. Yeah. And yeah. so then the idea starts to spread that, well, this is turbo cancer. Uh -huh. And and again, it shows how these, these, these belief systems, they change and they adapt and they shift. And when you're not tied to reality, it's a lot mm. easier to change things. Yeah. You know, okay. I wanted to just go back a bit because I wondered if, if this would come up, but you were talking about the conspiracy theory as basically a metaphor for the problems that exist and a somewhat simplistic way of when we're and here, of course, just to clarify, we're talking about the implausible, inaccurate conspiracy theories, not the ones that have actually happened or that, you know, have a lot of documentation around them. But then it got me thinking also of the metaphor of the zombie, because this is also itself something that has been 
coming up, I think, for at least the last 20 years or so, where there's been a rise in pop culture around zombie films. And I remember even back in the day going to protests, left-wing political protests, and people would dress up like zombies. And zombie, the zombie, I think itself is an interesting metaphor for a kind of development in the social world where a lot of us feel like everybody else, right? We're the, we're still the kind of emotionally competent, intelligent people who get what's going on, whoever we are, but everybody else, they're kind of zombies, aren't they? I mean, that's how it seems. They've been co-opted, say, by social media or by the far right or by the far left or by mainstream sheeple talk or by whatever, and they don't get it. They are just the kind of the walking dead spiritually and intellectually. Exactly. And so I, I feel like there's another metaphor here. Man, we are getting really metaphors today. You're well, totally yeah, right. I mean, and, it, and it was such a satisfying in... metaphor to the people who wanted to believe this, that yeah. something would switch on, this, this emergency broadcast would go out onto people's phones that would activate something from the vaccine and turn everyone into zombies. Because exactly as you say, there's been so much conversation about all these people who are getting vaccinated. They're just sheeple. They're just zombies. They're unthinking, these unthinking masses, not like us. And so to have them actually turn into zombies, so much of this kind of conspiracy theory is wish fulfillment and mm. a kind of, I told you so. It's a revenge fantasy. Mm -hmm. And this would be the ultimate, all those people who said I was, I was nuts, all those people who accused me of being a conspiracy theorist, all those people who said, oh, you're wearing a tinfoil hat. We'll see what happens when that alert goes out and they turn into literal zombies mm -hmm. and there'll be zombies on the outside the same way that they've been zombies on the inside. You're totally right. I agree. So this, this theory helped with cognitive dissonance from people who believed that the vaccines were dangerous, but they hadn't seen this massive die off because they were like, ah, because the event hasn't happened yet. Mm. But now the event's going to happen. And now we're finally going to see this moment where the vaccine kills everybody. Mm hmm. The other thing that, that I think, uh, you, you mentioned movies. There's, there's a middling Stephen King novel and an even middlinger film called Cell, in which a oh, signal... Oh, I haven't seen that one. Oh, don't... I, I watched it. It's... Uh, I have a weird relationship with Stephen King. Like, it's kind of okay. Some, it's, it's almost always watchable. And this one has Samuel L. Jackson and John Cusack. I'm like, I am okay. here for this film. But yes. no, just watch the but first no. bit. Because in the first bit, what happens is... There's a bunch of people in an airport. A signal is broadcast to every cell phone, and it turns everybody who gets it into... Zombies. Zombies. And so, again, this is that crossover between pop culture and, and conspiracy thinking, this idea of, oh, no, this isn't a movie because it's soft disclosure. Right. This idea that That's everything that happens a in a movie is actually a real thing that happens. Right, 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 right. Which is this interesting, again, talking about narrativizing these problems and entering a world of narrative as opposed to other kinds of other forms of inquiry, now fiction is reality and reality becomes fiction, Yeah. right? So mainstream news, science, that's fiction. But fiction in the form of X-Files, alien movies, the Stephen King thing, that's actually encoding secret cue drops almost, secret little elements of the really real, that those of us who are uh, 
woke and 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 know how to read the signs are able to un- interpret. Yeah. And we've seen this in a bunch of those totalist style conspiracies, the uh, the lizard people. Mm-hmm. The lizard people conspiracy draws very heavily from that idea that things in movies are actually real and things in reality are actually fiction. Well, I think the more implausible and outrageous the claims of the conspiracy are, the more you are in this truly sort of fully narrativized world in which you have to read below the surface and things represent things and, you know, people are characters or stand-ins. and Or yeah, non-player so characters. People. Yeah, That's something that I'm hearing a lot now. And that's, again, going back to QAnon, this idea of pass the popcorn, enjoy the movie, that mm-hmm. everything that we're seeing is a kind of fiction. And so the best way to get truth about it is to just watch movies. So the problem, of course, with this, as is often the case with these predictions, is it didn't come true. We didn't turn into zombies. Right. Okay. But it does provide us, I mean, with true conspiracies, we learn about history. With false conspiracies like this, we learn about society. Mm. And in this case, I mean, we've talked about this before. We talked about this with Evan a couple episodes ago. Social media is an ecosystem in which truth and accuracy are not characteristics that help the information organism spread. We are in a crisis of reality where a lot of the vectors have been with us for a while, but have gotten even worse now. I mean, we have things like AI. When you, phone, when you, you know, contact somebody, quote unquote, online about some help with, you know, logging into your bank account or you got some trouble with your cell phone provider or something like that. Are you talking to somebody or is this a chat bot? You know, any image that we see now, a moving image or a still photograph, it might look extremely realistic and be completely generated by AI. Yeah, there are deep fakes. And those have been actually around for quite a while, but they're now within the realm of you and I can create them in which you can make somebody say something they never said or, you know, and it looks totally believable. Yeah. And I feel like the virtual, in a way, has messed with the very idea of reality itself. Like, I think this is not, again, just a problem that other people have. I think it's a deep crisis that we are all living through right now. Like what is real anymore has, it seems like it's slipping from our grasp. And I feel like that sort of maps onto a lot of what we've been talking about today, where the very notion of reality itself seems to be kind of slipping away. Nothing is true and everything is possible. Hmm. Oh, well, maybe we're all about to turn into zombies tomorrow. People freaked out about this. Right, right, right. People right. were extremely okay. upset about this yeah. and also weirdly excited about it. Yeah, because the way I was characterizing this in terms of nothing is true, nothing is possible is, the, is sort of articulating the hopelessness, I think, that we all feel in the face of this. Mm-hmm. Like AI is just something that's being done to us. You don't get to have any say about it. Here it is and just deal with it. Buck up and deal with it. And that's how people thought about uh, the vaccines and the lockdowns and all of these things. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And so I can get, I kind of understand that sense of being excited by the potential collapse of things. It's very much how I felt working in a factory in, in in December of 1999 
and really wanting that Y2K bug to just destroy everything because my life was not going well at that time. And the idea that civilization would collapse was actually kind of a happy thought. It's, it's a bit seductive. Absolutely. All of this plays into an explanation for this weird, like absurd, nonsensical conspiracy theory that spread on social media and a lot of people believed. And of course, yeah. what are the characteristics that help the information organism spread in our current ecosystem? I'd say shock, short, and sure. Hmm. Shock, new, novel, surprising, disturbing. Short, not complicated and nuanced, just right to the point. Bloop. And sure, the person who's saying it is 100% confident in the nonsense that they are spreading. Yeah. Shock, short, yeah. and sure. I like it. I like it. If only for the alliteration. <laughs> I think one of the things that's fascinating to me about these two conspiracy theories is that the event that causes them is the same. It's the testing of the emergency alert system. They're both taking place in October. And yet, depending on the context, depending on what's going on at the time, we have two wildly different conspiracy theories. And it goes to show you the importance of the social context in the creation of false conspiracy theories like this. So much of what a conspiracy theory turns into has to do with the situation that's happening at the time and the wish fulfillment or the fears that are in the minds of the people who believe the theory. 